that's me. There we go. Blog Shaggin. Howdy, howdy. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing all right. And yourself? I couldn't be better. I am very ecstatic to do this podcast. It's been a year plus in coming. <laughs> yeah, no, I've always been uh, waiting for it, keeping it in the back of my mind. Even like when we haven't had a date planned, I've always been thinking like, oh, yeah, I got to get I got to get back to this. I want to talk with this guy about this stuff. Like, regardless, I one of the things that I because during that time period, because I think I mentioned this to you before, but you posting art inspired me to start posting art and making more art and and now yeah that's a thing that's a thing so like regardless i think that year was very beneficial (laughs) yeah no and i've been uh i've been seeing a lot of your stuff and actually i saw one specific post of yours maybe one or two months ago that uh you actually even directly called me out as an inspiration and that that just made my week that week and uh since then um on uh that space station server i invited you to there's several people that have said oh uh desane style is is the same as uh yours kind of and so well, like look at that I, look at yeah I'm, what's that you're like a, a parent to the style then there you go <laughs> yeah and i'll admit like uh i i don't look at my art too uh i'm i'm kind of at a loss for like a specific word um i guess seriously would be the best way to say it is uh because i do it all digitally and uh i i I feel like i cannot at least at my current skill level i cannot replicate what i do to a physical medium yet and so i don't really consider myself a true artist yet Mm, i i feel that i it so for me i typically i typically do digital is like most of the time what the final product comes out but it depends on what style i'm drawing in because sometimes like when i'm I, I like being lazy i like being lazy and feeling out the art so i'll draw half a photo on like a napkin scan it and then create the rest of it online and like that's just that's one of the styles that i like to go with then the other thing is just manipulating things that i see like i've I always, I always would tell people, you know, when you start using those filters, someone else had to build those filters. So why don't you go make your own damn filters? You know, it's just, it's this little shit like. That's actually a, a big thing I've been doing lately. Is so a lot of my stuff is like you said, image manipulation. Like a lot of yeah. my stuff is I'll take like a stock photo and I'll blend it in. Like I'll use a Photoshop clone to like double expose it into a fractal image. And then I'll do like mirror effects and stuff. And so those filters and those effects, especially the mirrors, like I use all kinds of crazy like taurine mirrors and like uh, uh, like spike mirrors and hexagonal mirrors and like tiled yeah. mirror sets. And it's uh, I, I try to directly look at what especially my my apps are all on my phone. And even though they're phone apps, they're pretty intuitive. I can look in and see like. Oh, here's the perturbation of this mirror. It's at a factor of color diffractment of uh, however much percent to whatever degree angle throughout the curvature of the mirror. And I try to at least 
fathom the math, even if I don't understand it. Yeah. And it gets really, really chaotic. And that's how, um, here, I'll, I got my Instagram account open on my computer right now because while we were talking about this, I had a few specific examples to bring up. Dude, I was already, like, scrolling through. <laughs> Let's see. Are you sharing it to the feed? I'm going to share it to the uh, to the chat room one, the, the text chat. Okay, sweet, sweet. Yeah, man, I, I really do. I, I love didn't get the image the here. Let me look through my uh, phone library to uh, try to send it there. I clicked on the link and it took me there. This is the one with the the palm and the hand. Yeah, so that's that's a perfect example of what I was talking about. So that started out. It was a stock photo of like just a hand with that lightning going around it in kind of a grayscale black and white against a shadowy background. And so what I did first is that rainbow effect is uh, it's called gas spill. It's literally just like an iridescent filter to make it look mm. like oil and water over it. And then I used like various different like almost embossed techniques. One of them literally is just an embossed filter, but then one of them's also dark edges and light edges and colored edges. And I like went in and individually raised the depths of different tones, like whites and blacks and pinks actually was one that I used in that a lot. And so that's how I got the texture and the rainbowiness. And then if you look at the lightning in there, it's also there's like a faint black outline where my Photoshop clone couldn't cut it out well enough. But I mm. thought for the magical aspect I was going with it, that actually kind of worked. So I left that. I actually embossed that further. I gave that more depth. And then what I did, that fire effect in the palm, mm -hmm. it's a... Uh, it's a globe mirror. It started out as a perfectly spherical mirror that just totally diffuses color in every direction, like 360, like every degree. And it's like super pronounced. It also magnifies a lot. What I did is uh, I randomized the perturbation of the sphere so that it like just became a totally different shape. And I was looking through like, there's like four different, settings to do it with and that's the shape i settled on and then i changed the amount of color diffractment until it was mostly like orangish and yellowish tones coming through and then i set the reflectivity down to like just the bare minimum so that you could see that it wasn't actually fire but it was some sort of reflective magic-y looking thing dude First, so you already know the art's freaking amazing. One thing that I freaking love right now is just your use of the technical terms on it. Like, so I I could give you the the run of the mill of what I do when I make an art piece, but I'm not gonna be able to pull down the um, <laughs> the technical terms. Like, I, I for the most part, yeah, saturation, contrast, um, brightness, the things that I dabble with most like a, a lot. I can tell you about that with using those terms, but reflectivity, just you use one word. I was like, um, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big word. No, <laughs> no well, but I, I love your use of the, yeah, I don't know what perturbation is. I, I can't tell you right off the top of my head what that is. So 
I, I probably don't know the exact dictionary definition. I just know how to use it in sentences that I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> for for me, what it you in the applications that I use to make my art, it's basically uh, like the density of an object and mm. where that density is. So when I was talking about that glow mirror, that perturbation, there's actually two different perturbation values. Just how refractive it is, is one value for perturbation. And then the other is the shape. And so you can slide through on the perturbation meter on the shape to make it more or less globe-like. And I guess it, it, in my use, it basically means stretch. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Um, what I've been using for something similar to that is there's a certain thing in distortion because I use a, a Photoshop clone as well. It's a um, it's an open source program by the name of Paint.net, and I like one of the main reasons I like using it is because it forces you to, you know it forces you to make your own style because typically if you're on Photoshop, they give you things right there at your fingertips. And I like having to craft shit from just out of nowhere, but something similar to perturbation that I use is this thing. It's like in the distortion category and if I'm not mistaken. It's, it's, I almost want to call it modulation, but I don't think that's what it's called. Cause that has something to do with music and um well it doesn't point is it does the density thing you have the ability to stretch things and then you have the the ability to erode things so instead of going out you can also make it implode on itself whatever you're making and it's you can you have um you have parameters that do it for both vertical and um horizontal and it's 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 pretty neat because if you if you if you really if you want to try to like make an outline for something and you don't feel like drawing it or whatever you can easily make one doing it that way but it's it's definitely I, it's definitely a joy of mine what what made you even want to even start making art like do you have yeah what what made you want to even start doing art so i started teaching myself so uh, uh maybe like two years ago and this is after like eight years or so of really not caring at all for making art myself except for music and that's how it got started is at the time uh a buddy and me uh i can share a link to his instagram profile and maybe a soundcloud profile but uh Do it. we were kind of starting a uh a uh recording group or recording duo and he's a lot more electronic DJ than what I prefer. So we actually haven't ended up releasing too much since then. But uh, at the time, we were getting together nearly every day, at least three or four times a week. And we were just uh, getting stoned or having a few drinks or whatever, getting imbibed in some sort of way and hitting record and just literally recording like, entire days worth of just chilling and playing random instruments like uh that's the i got good a, stuff, i got a box full of just so many instruments that i don't even know what they are some of them <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah so we would just mess around i'll i'll share a link to uh 
uh, on Amazon, we have a song released as the group that we ended up going with for our name. It's a uh, Groove Tribe is what we called ourselves. Groove Tribe. Yeah. Um, but basically, I needed to make album art for us. Or we both did. He also helped me start out a little bit. And uh, yeah, so we needed album art. And that's why I started doing it. And then we stopped recording as much. And <laughs> now here we are. I'm more of an artist than a musician. These. <laughs> I feel it. That's the, like, that, honestly, that's the, that's the part that got me into it. I remember when I first dropped my first project back in like, 2012 um well i've all art has always been the thing and of course music has always been the thing too uh but you know it, it, when you when you got this project you're going okay well like, like, like you said you got to make the art so then i just kept with it and and again like seeing you make art that helped me basically just dive back into the bag like there, it was like a, it was like one of those hidden talents that i just kept I kept that bay and now now I try to do it if I if I can I try to do it every single day and it's yeah 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 it's it's something else man I, I definitely I definitely could do that it, it was a question someone asked me if would you when you think about the things that you do if there were no people on the planet would you still do it and I can confidently and honestly say I don't need anyone to be around I can just sit there and just make shit all day and it doesn't have to be for anyone else. It's it's therapeutic, honestly. Yeah, no, that's, that's a lot what it became, especially cause, uh, so when I'm not making art and music and stuff, I'm a low volt electrician data com tech with like 25 certifications. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, and I work in a hospital actually, like I'm a resident technician at a hospital for data com actually one of the biggest research hospital chains in the u.s you can look it up as a freighter medical college of wisconsin um, dude that sounds like a that sounds like stories within stories within itself ah <laughs> uh yeah so and i've been on the night shift for most of, during the pandemic i was laid off for about a year from my old company because uh Or before we, sorry, I, I released my uh, mic there, but here's okay, the okay. for the song. Um, but uh, uh, where was I? Uh, I got laid off for about a year because of the pandemic and also because I found out I have a unidentified seizure condition and I wasn't able to drive for like the first six months of the pandemic. Mm, you tell and, me about uh, this. So uh, I got laid off basically indefinitely especially because my old company was a small shop. One second, I need to drink a water. Okay. Much better. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I got laid off. It was just a small shop. I kind of understand. They only had three techs or four techs, including the boss at the time. And they just needed to not have a guy that could have seizures. It's technically yeah. illegal, but I'm not going to screw them for that because my boss at that company took me when I was 19 and trained me, got me like almost a thousand dollars in certifications and stuff. So I'm not going to screw them for that, but yeah, I needed to find I, a new company. 
And, yeah, I would, uh, I would hope they just at least would do like um um not reservations. What the hell is that? Recommendations for you? Did I would hope? Oh, that he was, totally uh, did. Yeah, he he gave me glowing recommendations. Sweet, sweet. Um, so outside. But what I was of, getting at though is uh, at this new company, it's much larger, and the hospital likes night shifts. So I work like six p.m. till six a.m. a lot of days, and. When I get home, it's like just a weird time. So it's like, uh, I might as well just make an art piece real quick and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so you, you, for me, it's the flip. It's the flip of it. For me, it's the, it's the morning. Like I, I try my best to, um, well, I can't say that because I, my, my goal in mind is to wake up at 4 30 in the morning and do all the, the, um, my one a days per se early in the morning, but the way that it normally turns out is I get up, um, I, I might wake up at around maybe like six or seven. Um, I head to my, cause my Peter Parker job, which I like to call it is, is land title insurance. And, um, when I'm, I'm, if I'm not making stuff while there, while I'm there, the next thing I do is when I get home, like after five, then I'm doing, I'm doing music, I'm doing art, um, I'm doing this, um, and then I might stay up until maybe like four or five in the morning. Depends, it depends on me. I've had many a time where it'll be, I'll say, okay, I'm trying to take a thirty minute nap at seven o'clock in the morning, and then get up and go to work. So that way I can then do all these things. But <laughs> obviously health defects are on the horizon. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it all yeah. depends. Like you can have a totally normal night shift schedule. And for certain people, me included, I've noticed, like I'm literally healthier if I just if I wake up at like two, three PM, maybe a little bit earlier, a little bit later, half hour or so. And if I stay up until like seven, eight AM. That's like a perfectly normal like sleep cycle. Do you try to stay consistent with it? Yeah, like that gives me a perfect like six, seven hours of sleep, which is I'm more efficient with like around there than a perfect eight. And uh, yeah, no, I sleep much more solidly through the morning than I do at night. Like if I try to go to bed at like even if I wake up and go to work at four in the morning that day, if I try mm -hmm. to go to bed at 10 p.m., I'm going to lay there awake for like five hours. Jeez, I just I I definitely want to work on the consistency of it because I don't really well no I mean it comes to all the studies they always say the best thing you can do is at least be consistent with whatever pattern you're on. Yeah, and, and some people it's even like so there's a lot of studies I've been looking at recently. Once I figured out how much better night shift was for me, because I literally just feel miles healthier. And like I was telling you a little bit before the recording that I have an unidentified or even on the recording that I have this unidentified seizure condition. And I noticed once I switched to the night shift, the seizures went way down in frequency. Mm. And so I looked into it a lot. And so there's a lot of recent studies that show like from when we were like tribal societies and even before we invented any government, like there was always like the people that stayed up at night to watch the the group of animals that we were to protect You're them right. from predators and stuff or other humans. <laughs> and so a lot of people have just natural circadian rhythm cycles that are 
either delayed or sometimes even broken up. Like some people are on a tertiary sleep cycle where they sleep twice in a day for about four hours at a time and get up in the middle and do stuff for like two or three hours or a quaternary cycle where they, where they sleep three times with about an hour of doing stuff in between. You know, it's crazy that you mentioned that because it just makes me think how this, we're just trickle downs of like the, the way we were back in tribal times. And that would make a lot of sense why you have so many people that are, um, yeah, I don't have to reiterate, but that would make a lot of sense. Like that's that's it's crazy when you think about how all that shit is connected. Like I love that. I love especially when, I should... when you think like so the Egyptian society, like they already built the pyramids like six thousand years ago, and even back then they were doing stuff. And I that's an arbitrary number. I think it was actually closer to like ten thousand years. Um. But uh, they were still doing stuff like that because they still lived in like mud huts other than the richest of the rich. So yeah, one member of the family was probably staying up most of the night or half of the night and then switching off with somebody else. And then also only up up until like the Industrial Revolution, the family dynamic was always just because that was law and order at the time that mom woke up three hours before everybody else to get everybody fed before dad went to work and the kids did chores <laughs> man and that's that's a thing still today that is still a thing today i hear a lot of moms that wake up before the whole family to get everything set up i i remember like well and this just takes me back because this, this is a different era like my grandma if i'm not mistaken she would wake up earlier to like do her makeup or if it wasn't her, like I know that's a totally different thing, but there, I know for a fact there was a period where there were women who would wake up before their spouse, like significantly earlier to get all the help, get all their stuff ready for the day. And then also so they could have their makeup prepared and put on for when anybody else woke up. Like, it's just crazy that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And the, the makeup part of it, that's a more modern development, like the last two or 300 years or so. But just that basic time structure for the family, that was like the last whole almost 3000 years since a little bit before, uh, um, I guess since since a little bit before Rome became mega. Actually, what is so when you say when Rome becomes mega, what is that? What does that mean exactly? That's like uh, so you can think of it like the Greeks eventually kind of took over like mo uh, most of the uh, eastern half of the Mediterranean including mm -hmm. like a lot of parts that we now consider the Middle East, like Israel was Greekified at the time. Uh, um, all the, all that, those surrounding like small coastal Middle Eastern countries and parts of Egypt, even like Alexandria is named Alexandria for Alexander the Great. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, <laughs> and so, when you say, when you said it, it would make me think about it. Cause I know about when basically Rome comes in after Greek does all that, and well, after Greece does all that, and they basically say, "Hey, hey, you're mine now." And I was wondering if that's what you, what that meant with this. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much what I'm getting at. So Rome started getting really big a couple hundred years before zero BC is when stuff started. Like, it wasn't truly an empire yet. It wasn't truly an empire until I don't know, like 
200 or 300 AD, there was a few huge economic crises that the size of those crises defined how big the empire was at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I uh, point of reference for some of my knowledge on this. I dropped out of college, but at one point I was an anthropology major. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, leading up to that, there was a lot of like just people that were, they weren't necessarily, they were the proto-Romans, even if they weren't in the empire proper, like the Latinification of the Mediterranean was happening before Rome became what we think of it as. And so that's what I mean by Rome becoming mega. Yeah, like, mega. like it was just the language was spreading and the ideals and there was almost, you could think of it as a, a copyright debate between the gods of the Romans and the Greeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and, and, and I, what I tune, what I, would like to go and like make a good reference would be it was death it was before all roads led to Rome. There we go. There all road all roads led to Rome. There we go. They were working on that. They I get it. I get yeah, you. no, and that was actually like what led to that primarily is and especially the spread of their language, um, was them building roads because Roman concrete was just excellent for road building roads and they had superb engineers for the time they were the first people to think like oh this ground is muddy if we just drop a bunch of rocks and pave it that's gonna sink so what they did is they dug out trenches first they filled it with sand to level it then they put gravel then they put more sand and then they put the paving stones and that is that right there is the pure definition of technology like that's that's how you kick their ass. Like, oh man, because I never. I'm trying to think. Did I even? I don't think at all my years of studying had that been even mentioned. Like, as far as I know about Rome taking over, it was literally when like just going over this mythology and knowing that there was a time period where everybody had a name change because they basically came in and said, "Okay, we like what you're doing." Let's just keep it that way and just change the names of everything. I didn't I didn't get I never got that before. I, I never knew that's what that saying came from. That that kind of makes me it entertains my inner child. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's it's not specifically where that saying came from, but that saying is kind of it's a posthumous reference to that empire. Cause I don't think really anybody would have said that at the time that Rome was a real like empire. Because everything was Rome. Anything that wasn't was barbarian Celtic societies. Barbarian, as a word, literally means non-Roman. Wow. Wow. I didn't know I was going to... Well, I knew I was going to be coming to class, but I didn't know I was going to be coming to class for this subject today. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool. I, I like that. Um, I got to... No, I, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm writing that down. Um... Dude, I, so I want to circle back to to your 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 um your unidentified seizure condition because I I know we talked about it before, but like I my curiosity goes like what does that look like or what is do, do they like call you into the lab every month to see if they can do any new ex well yeah new experiments to see if they can draw any more conclusions like what what does it look like to have an unidentified illness or whatever you know what it, i mean um 
it's interesting to say the least because people are a lot more intrigued about it when I tell them about it and a lot less worried about it when I tell them about it than if I were to tell them I had epilepsy or something. Because right. they know what epilepsy is and they know what videos of epilepsy looks like. If I just say I have an unidentified seizure condition, it's a little less worrisome because they don't exactly know what a seizure is. They know what an epileptic seizure is. And specifically, mm. they immediately think grand mall epileptic seizure. But, uh, and I actually, I have had what you could consider grand mall seizures, just non-epileptic ones. But, uh, basically... I don't know the difference between them. Well, epilepsy is, is, is as far as I can see, it's, it's a term for one specific cause of seizures. Seizures in general are, if you think about, like, the electrical energy in your body... Mm -hmm. And if you think of your brain kind of as a uh, computer, then seizures are the battery of your body discharging because there's too much voltage. Okay. More or less. Or amperage or something. I, I wouldn't know exactly how to translate it to electrical terms, but uh, that's the gist of it. Epilepsy is one specific thing that causes that. And I don't know what that is because I don't have it. But okay, okay. There's roughly 3,000 other disorders, and a lot of them are just this guy had it, so we're calling it his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're just not researched well enough to define them separately from epilepsy. They just know that it's not epilepsy. Um I I remember when you when you first told me um cuz if I'm not mistaken, epilepsy does have something to do with just visual triggers and i i remember after that um because i was gonna see some it was i remember it was like maybe a day or two afterwards when we had the conversation there was some artwork that had a lot of flashing going on and i was like um i'm gonna probably not send this to him now and but if i'm not mistaken that is that has to do with epilepsy which is a trigger through something visual. And I, I'm saying all this by assumption because of every time, you know, you watch something and they, and they say, Hey, warning, this might trigger epilepsy or seizures or whatnot. And that's, that's how I'm tying the two together. I don't know none of this shit. I'm just kind of just um, improvising with the, and drawing and drawing the things together. But yeah, I, I, I think I would start there <laughs> when I think about epilepsy. Yeah, and that's the thing. So that's why they can prove that it's not epilepsy because uh, one of the tests they get... So I had like a bunch of MRIs and stuff and one of the things they were looking for was uh, brain scarring first, especially mm. because uh, on my medical records, I'm always very honest with my doctors about my relatively extreme use of drugs in high school. And uh, so like it's all on my medical records. So they were instantly looking for like brain scars which I guess is a big cause. That's not, I, I don't think that's epilepsy, but the light thing is one of the other tests they gave me was an EEG, an mm, electroencephalogram, which basically it's like some sci-fi looking shit. They glue a bunch of wires to your head and uh, <laughs> um, they, they put this like visor over your eyes and flash a bunch of lights in your eyes. Like there's panning lights that move back and forth. There's all kinds of different like RGB spectrums and stuff. And Man. my brain scans were some of the cleanest they'd ever seen, apparently, on the EEG. So 
not epilepsy <laughs> again. It's they did, well, they shoot. don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> I think that's I think that's well. I think that's crazy. I, I I think that's crazy. That's exactly what uh my my lack of knowledge is like. It's like I got all this test to try to prove something, and still to this day we can't find things. Like there's still opportunities that we're ignorant. And um, because I, I was I was having a thought, just a thought experiment with it one time, because I was thinking about the whole process of, you know, doing certain drugs or um like for instance after you do dmt you start wondering if we are a part of this society like this is just another version of it and every time you have moments like i don't know like a dream that's like glitching out for another thought process or for instance a seizure it's like hey you went too far and now your body is like basically glitching in and out of this reality and the other reality like that's 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 where my imagination went with it that's where it went with it and Yeah, one thing my doctors say is uh, it probably didn't help how many different crazy unknown like synthetic drugs I did in high school because there's no research on those really other than some of the ones that Shulgin invented like that 4-H-O-M-E-T I was telling you about a while. I don't think we were recording at the time. Um, we'll definitely, we'll definitely, um, I'll, cause you brought up the, um, basically the trip guide. That's what I'm going to call him for short, the trip guide. And yeah. we'll, we'll touch back on that. I, I, I definitely wanted to take, kind of want to take you back to, uh, if you, if you want to, you can always tell me, Hey, now nah, this is off topic or whatever, but, um, like high school or when you first even began partaking like what what was that like tell that origin story if you don't mind so i could get really detailed and uh i'll 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 skip through because it'll 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 have to start a little bit before i even started using drugs at all to fully understand some of it um, then do what you got to do, man. <laughs> uh, long story short, witnessed my dad get divorced twice. Witnessed my mom get divorced twice and remarry the second guy. Uh, that that first or that second guy, uh, just horrible, terrible, abusive person. But he uh, had two sons also, and actually now they have a third kid together. Uh, my youngest brother. Um, I'm not even going to go into how many siblings I have because through all the marriages and stuff, I have like nine or 10. Um, but, uh, my oldest stepbrother, uh, he introduced me to pot when I was, it was six days before my 12th birthday. I remember it specifically because my birthday's on the 18th of June, the sixth month of the year, there's 12 months in the year and just all the numbers line up real easily. Yeah. Um, and so we're at the time we had two sets of bunk beds, uh, in our, we were like in an unfinished basement for a bedroom for me and three of my brothers. And we're sitting on my oldest stepbrother's bunk. Cause it's the best view of the TV. We had like an old 90s style, like 25 inch CRT. Yeah. And, uh, watching some random movie or something, or it might've been anime night on cartoon network or something. Too and, uh, 
he's 16 at the time and he uh, i just this is like the perfect time frame for me to think everything he does is cool like at the time i was trying to get into skateboarding i was trying to get into bmx um so he he turns over to me and he's like hey shane what do you what do you know about uh about weed i'm like and I'm trying to be cool, and I know yeah. that there's a kid on my school bus that my my brother that rides the same school bus as me can corroborate to him, too. Um, I'm like, oh, I smoked it before with my buddy Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I, I, I can relate. <laughs> and... Uh, then he pulls out this like metal cigarette case, like some old school, like 1940s style cigarette case, real fancy looking too. And thinking <laughs> back when he opens it up, there was eight of them in there and they were all probably like one gram mini blunts. And he's like, well, let's go. Our house was kitty cornered to a little playground and it's like midnight. So he's like, well, let's go over to the park across the street and go spark one of these bad boys up. <laughs> that was the first time I had a, any pot and the first time I ever had a cigarette, too. I ended up smoking Cool Blues for, like, two years after that. Oh, dang. Um, yeah. But uh, fast forward a couple years, and I kind of get into the skater stoner group in, in my high school. And first year of that, everybody's nobody's even smoking cigarettes except for me and one other guy it's it's strictly pot and every once in a while we started shoplifting alcohol from the walmart nearby then that ramped up a lot and a few of us me included got really really good at sneaking liquor out of the walmart like it got to the point where we were running a business in our eighth grade recess oh dang 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 and uh that led to that summer one of my buddies lived on a compound like a rental compound where there was like three houses on a lake yeah. and they all shared the property and there was a group of 30 year olds in one of the houses on this well 30 somethings and uh they were just really down to party with us like 13 14 year olds and over that summer uh we started drinking like just a lot with these guys. And then two days before my freshman year started, one party got a little way too crazy. And I'm not going to get too into details because I'll get really pissed off at a few specific people. And I don't want to bring that yeah, negativity yeah. around. But uh, I was basically convinced after getting my blood alcohol level 5%. I was convinced to reignite a fire using a drum of gas, a 55-gallon drum that had about 20 gallons of gas in it. And uh, me in my drunken, inebriated state, I couldn't even see straight. My vision was directly 90 degrees sideways. Normal other than that, but it was just directly 90 degrees <laughs> sideways. And uh, I flipped the barrel on there. It lands perfectly upside down. Suddenly... Pop, flash a light. Next thing I know, my leg's on fire. <laughs> Gosh. Gosh. Oh, um, man. But, yeah, I I was freaking out for a couple hours until I got to the hospital. First hospital couldn't treat me, so they flight for life me to a better hospital. Actually, the one I currently work at as an electrician. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle, man. Um, And, uh. 
then I got I went comatose uh, when the flight for life touched down on top of the hospital for three days. And like I was telling you before we started recording, uh, that coma was just a blink. Like I literally closed my eyes and opened them again. And actually, I, I was too drugged up from everything they were giving me at the hospital to be coherent of a few days after I woke up from the coma. So it was literally like a blink. And then it was six or seven days later. That's crazy to me because ah, I when when you first said that, like, I I wanted to ask so many questions then and there. It's like because every time I hear about a coma or or just yeah, just anybody in a coma, they always say, "Oh, I heard I heard your voice, blah blah blah," while I was under. Or the the um, you know how TV likes to portray it. You're just yeah, in this long and, dream. Uh, later on in the story, uh. I, I got a little bit more to go here. I, I, I can totally relate some TV-esque experiences. Okay. okay. Um, that coma, though, that's really probably the reason why I got so invested into tripping a few years later. Because like that dissolution of self, that total lack of existence, like, I believe... After that experience, especially because I did technically legally die during uh, some of the operations they did on me, like my mm -hmm. heart was stopped for something like 38 seconds. Um, and I didn't see anything, no light, no heaven, no hell, no nothing, not even infinite blackness. It was just complete lack of existence. Like, I did not exist whatsoever. I could not even perceive the fact that I did not exist. That's how little I existed. And that complete, absolute dissolution of self. Once I started trying a few crazier drugs a few years later, I think that's what got me so intrigued by it. And, uh... Especially because after that, for like three years, four years afterwards, every time I went to sleep after that, I would close my eyes, fall asleep, and I'd open them, and I'd be in an endless white room with no floors, mm. no walls, just sitting in a simple wooden chair that I don't know how it's not falling because it's not sitting on a floor. It's just there in that white void of nothingness. Yeah. And time flowed normally in those dreams. Like, if I fell asleep for an hour, it felt like an hour. Oh, shit. I, and so... And I say that because that, that makes... Because typically when I go to sleep, it always feels like, okay, the next day just starts again in a way. But, yeah. Uh, sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. No, and that's kind of what I was saying with the with the TV-type experiences. And I think having... Ex like, that lasted for, like, years. And... As I started trying, it started out with uh, with the K2 stuff, specifically JWH series chemicals that, as I said earlier, they're just, they're like taking all the drugs at once. It's like doing a gram of Coke, taking down like 10 Vicodin, washing it down with like 12 tabs of acid and a fifth of whiskey. But then it only lasts for 30 minutes. And... I really liked that. Just complete obliteration. Like, shit got so crazy that there were times that I didn't know if I was alive or dead or both at the same time. Man. And then, a few years after that, 
a bunch of people I knew started getting into uh, darknet shenanigans and whatnot. And stuff like mushrooms and acid started coming around. First time I tried acid ever, like real acid, not some synthetic stuff. See, I don't know the I don't, the only thing I know about is when we were in school, they were they were the way that they showcased it was literally cartoons on some type of candy looking thing. And that was that's what acid was. So, I, yeah, that's my knowledge of acid and Chance the Rapper's album, Acid Rap. <laughs> yeah. Um, my experiences with it are not too dissimilar from that, but that's also because that's what I was looking for. Mm. One thing about psychedelics is, and part of why I don't believe in any inherent spirituality with them is partially my experiences with death and then also just... uh. I've noticed, like, if I want a party and I take some mushrooms or something, that night's going to be a fucking party. If I want to find myself and talk to my subconscious and then I take some mushrooms or something, that's what happens. Mm. I just want to get fucked up and I take some mushrooms or something. That's what happens. So if somebody wants to see God while they're on mushrooms, they're going to see God, you know? Same thing with acid. The main difference between the two being... uh. After this experience that I'm about to relay in a second, uh, you'll kind of get what I'm saying in a second. Uh, acid's definitely more of a drug, like a hard, like street drug, like crack or something. Like, but that's partially because of my first experiences. I think that, like, me and a buddy, we were both trying it for the first time, and like I said, I'd tripped plenty before. He. I don't think had ever tripped before. And we had two other buddies driving us around all day through local state parks and whatnot mm -hmm. who were experienced trippers and they were sober for us to like kind of keep us in check in public and stuff. I guess we each took two to start. And then later in the day, I guess I decided to take like four or five more, maybe six without realizing it i i i, I must have known i was doing it at the time i cannot remember it now because about three hours into the trip i started freaking the fuck out like the grass oh, was turning into like snakes the the trees were like giving like evil vibes to me and i was literally telling my friends drop me off in the woods i know where i am I know I can't get lost. There's only five acres of woods here. If I walk in one straight direction, I'll find my way out eventually if I need to. <laughs> if and you need I, to? <laughs> yeah, like I did not want to go home. And so I was like, yeah, just drop because they were driving me home. And I was like, no, I'm too fucked up. Don't drive me. And that made me freak out more. And uh, I was home for a little bit before... Just everything's black for like five hours. I just don't know what happened. Apparently, I was doing air kicks and shit. Apparently, I wrestled my dad, who has me by like 100 pounds. Um, apparently, uh, uh, my brother had a mutual friend of ours over. And like, I just could not stop hugging the guy. <laughs> um, when I came to, though... The most interesting thing is, so when I woke up or stopped being blacked out or ego death, however you want to phrase it, yeah, um, I was in my bed. And at the time, there was a couch like cornered up to my bed. That's going to become important in a second. Um, but 
they must have put on like some National Geographic like nature documentary to calm me down or something. Mm -hmm. But my eyes are closed when I woke up and I'm still like just barely out of the peak. So I don't realize that I'm even alive or awake. My eyes are closed. I'm just suddenly conscious and I don't know where I am. Everything's just dark and National Geographic's still playing, but it's not a nature documentary anymore. It's like Miami drug bus DEA law enforcement. Oh, so in my blackness, because I'm just, I, I don't even realize my eyes are closed or that I'm alive or anything. I start thinking, oh shit, I took too much acid. I had a panic attack that caused me to have a heart attack. I'm now dead. And the cops are raiding my house to find my body. And then suddenly oh, wow. out of the black void, my the faces of my family are shooting at me and shit. <laughs> and it it was a freaky fucking experience, man. But that didn't make me not do it again. <laughs> God, actually, that reminds me of um, there's like there's always those movies like the one that comes to mind is like there's a there's a Wayne's Wayne's Brothers film or a parody film of uh, Minister Society. I think it's like don't drink your juice in the hood or something. I forgot. Point is, they're at a table and um, they're smoking something. And I think one of the guys like die in the middle of um, of smoking, and then they all just like, damn, I think he's oh, dead. Oh yeah, no, I, I know which. Yeah, that is don't yeah. be a menace. It's like during the the block party scene, I think. Yeah, and they're like, give me some of that. <laughs> but uh, okay, <laughs> okay, um, um, you, I'm pretty sure there was, well. You stopped at that part of the story. Was there was were there was there more? Or is that it's like the next uh, part? I mean, or? the the trip kind of goes on, but uh, the ultimate goal of that whole several tangents was to explain how I got so intrigued into psychedelia. Yeah. Was like the coma and just like a weird childhood combined. Like I just grew super attached to completely obliterating my consciousness to the point where it just did not exist. And then that can kind of bring us into why my screen name on all my social media and for my art and music and stuff is the Blarg Shaggin is uh, a few years later, um, I was working two jobs at the time. It was at my old electrical company and I was also a dishwasher at a French gourmet steakhouse. Hmm. And I had worked a 10-hour shift as an electrician that day. And it was a Friday night that I knew was going to be a rush for fish fry at the restaurant. And I hate seafood. Just the smell of it is unbearable to me. Oh, man. Fucking, like, it, it literally makes me puke just to smell it. Fucking, uh, that day I decide, you know what? I'm going to drink down three Jager bombs and take half a tab of acid before I go into work. Literally the most efficient... So, like, again, I'm already 10 hours of work in, about to go in for this shift. Most efficient I've ever worked in my life, to the point where my coworker in the dish pit was starting to talk like a robot on purpose to say things like, oh, microdose chain is the new operating system, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then at one point, like, it got real busy, right around, like, 8 or 9 that night. Mm -hmm. It's like hour three or so of my shift. And uh, I'm like up to my armpits in 
300 degree bleach water because of my burns i can't feel heat and i feel like for washing dishes i should use it as hot as possible so um i'm up to my armpits in 300 degree water that is almost entirely bleach (laughs) (laughs) and uh I'm just sitting there. I'm a little bit pissed off. Like, I'm still doing really well and super efficient. And I'm just kind of, like, zoning out because I'm a little bit drunk. I'm really caffeinated. I'm kind of tripping. Um, and then suddenly I remember in there's a level in Halo Reach that uh, the, the aliens, the elites, you can find some sleeping ones in this apartment high-rise structure that you're doing, like, a stealth operate on. And if you could sneak up on them while they're sleeping and just sit there for a while, they won't do it right away. You got to wait for at least like a whole minute. Mm-hmm. You'll hear them in their sleep. They just make this blurg, 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 blurg. <laughs> and I just, I just remembered that. And as I remembered it, before I even fully had the thought, it just escaped my lips, just blurg. And in that moment, I was just totally bliss. I I suddenly accepted, like there was a lot of other like emotional stuff going on for me at the time and just Mm -hmm. stress from having two jobs. Um, And in that moment, I was able to fully accept everything, especially because I was so, my ego was completely non-existent at that point in time, partially being on acid in the moment. And then also just through all my experiences all the existentialism and emotional shit, it just, it evolved into this new idea. Like, I, it was still forming in my mind as I walked to the next room over in the kitchen and I found my friend, uh, actually the one uh, uh, that the link to the song here is for, that it's that same friend, his name's Dev. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at him, I look him dead in the eyes and I just make the noise, blurg. And I see the recognition in his face. And he has the same epiphany as me. In that moment, we just both accepted the entire universe. Everything. Like, it was just complete annihilative acceptance. Like, nothing matters anymore. Everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that there is no inherent value to anything makes me okay with this horrible, shitty situation I'm in at this exact instant. I think the way that all of this story is strung together is just beautiful. And it's an art piece within itself. I just, all of it, I mean, literally all of it going back to you walking in on some freaking elites and getting the name, the essence of that. Like, I think it's both, it's like, it's one of those things where you can't design it. Like it's, all of it just has to happen. Um, I, I know one of the questions I want to ask before, because you, since you were mentioning ego death, and I know, like personally for me, experiencing ego death has been one of those things I've always wanted to partake in, because I've just, it's, it's always been, and I, I feel like this is an unhealthy approach with the thought, but I've always thought of it as like mm, me doing that or you know, going after ego death will help complete me per se. Um, I. That Don't is know. where, in my personal opinion, where the danger lies. Mm. Like, me, since I was looking for, even if I didn't know it as that term at whatever point in time, a lot of the time I was looking for just completely obliterating my sense of self. 
And if that's what you're looking for, it it, it also the, the reason depends. Like I was looking for it for the sake of it, like not for any like growth. I was just trying to not exist. If you do it that way, I even though that's the way I did it, it's incredibly unhealthy and it's it's going to lead to serious mental distress. But if you have some sort of loose goal, too firm of a goal is also unhealthy yeah. because then you're going to force yourself to feel like, oh, I need this. And if I don't attain it, it everything's wrong. And especially during your trip, you're going to really freak out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I try to keep some... that in mind a lot of because that was that was um that that was one of the things that I also was always wondering about too. Is just like if you if you're too concrete, like you have to have a good combination of basically being both on and off. Like you got to get in your to your Schrodinger's vibe completely. But yeah, I feel you on that. I do. Like one specific story that I won't go too into detail with though is a uh, one time a couple buddies and I we split up a tab of acid like it was a hot tab 150 ugs so we split it about 50 ugs each trying to cut it right down the middle in thirds and uh that's a really low dose um but our goal for the day was to write a song while we were tripping and at the mm -hmm. time i had a nine by nine bedroom that had a bed a couch four guitar amps three guitars and a bass in it and a piano an electric piano but still <laughs> us three guys we got real stir crazy especially with that as our goal and it mm -hmm. ended up like kind of scary for a while with the other two who they've known each other like 10 years longer than they've known me like we were friends for a long time at that point but like me being the outsider between the two of them like i just had to watch as they had like a two hour long like bitch fest at each other just because we got stir crazy because we had too concrete of a goal and we weren't able to accomplish it yeah I and uh, maturity has definitely helped me with that because man being heavy handed can fuck some shit up. <laughs> I, I feel it. I I know from just when I was younger and like like I, I will say, yeah, I like I like and that's because that's the word I keep saying when I when I refer to it. You have to be able to move with a certain level of grace. If that's that's what I that's what I like to call it because I like that term. It's, it, and it seems to capture that idea. It's being able, because honestly, do I even know what the hell grace means by definition? Like, I, I want to look it up just to see exactly if I'm getting, I, I just, I, I, I feel like know. in the sentence you used it and you used it pretty well. I can see where you're going with that idea. A simple elegance of refinement of mood. Yeah, there we go. There, yeah, yeah. And, and then the courteous goodwill helps too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a simple elegance. Like, yeah. I think that's you gotta yeah you you gotta know you gotta know when to make a move and you gotta know when to just kind of be still uh, and I think that's what grace is all about. And uh, with that idea, that's actually come in handy a lot for me lately. Again, with the with the night shift electrician thing, like I get home, I got a roommate, and I got my dad that lives with me, and uh, I get home when they're either just waking up or they're still trying to sleep. Mm. And so I can't just shred on my guitar when I get home or something. That's like the opposite of graceful. That's just going to piss everybody off, including yeah. me, because they're going to come and yell at me. <laughs> <laughs>
do you remember who you were before your ego death? And it's, it's kind of a two-part question, I guess. Do Is that still the same person you are today or who you are basically became after all of that? Yes and no, for different reasons. Before all of my experiences like that, I was one of the biggest assholes I know. I still am. But for different ways. Like, one real weird example is uh, before I blew up, I was, like, really, really into, like, hard, grindy EDM. Like, uh, Skrillex was, like, really popular at the time, and I had, like, mm. all of his songs paid for I bought. Like, after I came out of that coma, anything that doesn't sound like a real instrument or a real voice gives me severe anxiety. Oh man. And it's to the point where like, I'm openly an asshole about it. And like, because it pisses me off, I've, and also I had like a really like old school guitar teacher. Uh, it's kind of fused into my head, some sort of like anti electronica philosophy. And so like, I bitch about at people and I try to at least make it make sense. Like, in the fact, like, it literally takes more skill to get up on stage and play a guitar line the same way every day than it does to hit a track button or something. And that's mostly, like, me trying to rationalize my own hatred of it that's unrational, you know? But it. it is true at the same time, though, and that's become part of it at this point. And now I'm an asshole about stuff like that more than I used to just be a child with anger management issues. Now I have a focus for them. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> so my, my my question for you, well, not even a question. It's like, I, I don't think I don't think you're going to take too kindly to AI then because <laughs> we are definitely on the horizon for that shit. And the way that they are making music like it's yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be a fan of the, the new era we're going to be in. <laughs> yeah, no, I can already say for music. uh I only consider like maybe one out of every five songs released after the year 1989 to even be considered music, in my opinion. Share with me some of the songs that you consider music. Um, again, it's it, the the main basis is is like, do they go up on stage and actually play shit? Or do they hit a track button, wave their arms in in the air, and maybe talk to a beat? Yeah. And uh, and like I, 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 that's that's a little bit narrower than my focus too. Like there is some overlap. Like I genuinely respect the lyricism of some rappers. It's a lot better than a lot of just generic. Like one of my favorite genres is just kind of generic emo music, and that's not very deep lyrically, other than the 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 false the sense of pain behind it <laughs> yeah um well, we were talking about this uh what day we, we were talking about this because <laughs> that's that's kind of a part of my origin story um the emo rock band punk rock band that's that's that is eighth grade seventh and eighth grade i had a journal full of the edgy songs the ones that's where it's like it sounds all happy but you know when you sit there and listen to the lyrics it's like oh 
you probably need a therapist or you need a hug. <laughs> yeah, I can actually, my eighth grade journal lyrics back at that point in time, I was trying to start a deathcore band and I wanted the lyrical theme to be the right, like the same type of flow as Rage Against the Machine, even if not the yeah. same content necessarily. But I wanted it to be deathcore. So imagine like deathcore screaming. Here's just one verse I remember from one of those songs. It's the intro verse. Bow down before me. You are a flicker in the shadow of my entity. The solitude of eternity will bring you to your knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can just hear that in the. <laughs> and like in my head like i was imagining me like running up a ramp and front flipping onto the stage with the mic like landing in a perfect like predator crouch just bow down before me <laughs> uh that takes me back though Ah, <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure if we touched on it though, but who you who, like recreating yourself after ego death? Because honestly, I will say, hearing your story basically allows me to understand just exactly what ego death is. And because for, because experiencing it is always. That's one thing, because I, because, I, and, and I'm jumbling around, because in some form of fashion, you can you can experience it in other ways. I've had my, I've had certain ver- versions of it, because, um, like like I said, doing edibles is is like another thing. Like oh you, yeah, especially some of those get really strong. Like, uh, like I had a 500 milligram THC soda that came out of Colorado, and I'm Jesus. a heavy like daily pot smoker, and that fucked me up. Like it was like a whole bottle of whiskey and just like a 10 ounce soda, comparatively. Obviously, not like drunk feeling, but you know what I mean. Yeah, because it it gets you there. There's a level where you because you might go to sleep, but then what happens is you you. You wake up and you're like, oh shit, it's today. Cause I, I like for me, I know there are periods where I will, I will, like, I don't do anything too crazy too. Cause I try to make myself be in a state where I can still be aware, but not aware. But when you're in that, that mode, when you're not aware, like, like you're, it's like you're, you're, you're doing all of the regular motions. I forgot what they call that when you're, you're doing all the regular motions that you normally do. But you're not actually there, and it that, gets to a point. That's kind of what the term ego death means. Yes, is it's like so directly. Like actually, one second, I'm gonna pause. Uh, I've just noticed I really have to pee because I I've been chugging an energy drink while we've been talking. I'll be back in like thirty seconds. <laughs> hey, hey, no rush, man. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, back to where we were in the middle of my interruption of you. Um. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, so the, the word ego itself refers to your conscious mind. You have your ego, your id, your super ego, your super id. Um, these are various parts of your mind, so to speak. Your, your ego and your super ego are, are your consciousness and your morality specifically, um, in that order, ego being consciousness, super ego being like 
your altruistic, uh, like you, how most people naturally feel inclined to act like what they think are good people. Yeah. Your id is your subconscious and your super id is your natural desire to just do whatever the fuck you want. Not necessarily good or bad. Yeah. So, and uh, if, ego death is the dissolution short, of that. That's where your id takes over. A lot of people just black out entirely. Is is id short for idea? Possibly. No, it's literally just id. Okay. Uh, ah, so you're just your. So that okay. So it, it brings up so many questions because, like, in one form or fashion, I just like to think that there's like only really two different types of beings. People who string closer to creation, people who string closer to destruction, and it's like when I start thinking about our ID, our identity, um, all people really are is an arrangement of our dislikes and our likes. Like that's what we are. It's like you like this over this, and that's that's what you are at the end of the day. Am I on a am I on a am I on a correct path? Well, that's 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 not even a path to even compare to. But I guess does that path that my mind creates go with this kind of in a way and a uh, a slightly different way to look at it is um humans are the only animals even though we're pretty sure dolphins are smarter than us <laughs> we're the only animals that we know factually through experimentation are aware of the fact that we are thinking like other animals, like we can prove that dolphins and monkeys and stuff can think in language that we've created even, but they're not aware of the fact that they are. And that's why even all the signing gorillas and stuff, they don't ask novel questions. They they don't uh they don't actually like even uh Coco who asked for a baby, it's been discovered after the fact that that question was totally prompted. Mm. And it's because they have no sense of self. They have no ego. They are truly creatures only of their id and super id. Which, in, since they only have an id, there really isn't a super ego or id, super id to worry about. There's only the id, just their subconscious, their totally surface level minds. They're they're not metacognitive. And that's why we can have ego death. It's almost like dissolving to a more primal state of mind. But I don't want to say it in that way because that gives almost a direct positive or negative connotation to it, depending on how you look at it. And it's neither inherently. Yeah. Yeah. The I just hearing this, I because it makes me wonder if you could teach if you could teach it to some being. Like I I'm not trying to well, get into that's the planet like of the, the whole apes. idea between behind like a lot of uh stuff like Zen Buddhism and even like um, like old school Shintoist uh, philosophy to some extent, like a lot of cultures that have meditation, even like Judeo-Christian religions, like the the whole praying thing is a form of meditation, which is uh, depending on, like it's always phrased different on, in every religion, but the whole idea, even if you have a weirder goal than just Zen as an easy word to use it, um, oh. like, that's that's really what that goal is is ego death truly and actually in zen buddhism specifically they even use that term yep and i'm glad you said that because i've been talking to green about that for the longest um 
and just mentioning, I, I really want you to meet Green. I really want you to meet Chad. I think you guys will have so many amazing conversations together. But um, just what I would always tell Green when we were going on the journey of DMT, what DMT always felt like and the description of it and then also experiencing it, it, it felt like speeding up meditation after reading the was it the Dalai Lama's book how to practice I believe um the one where they detail meditation in the different states you can allow yourself to get to as you keep practicing this well this practice basically through the use of meditation throughout those years you you basically you get to the DMT realm. I like to call it the, wherever the DMT space is, it seems like you put in all this time to grow yourself to a point where now you can enter that state freely, opposed to having to just activate it by some, by a substance. And this, all of it, it just goes, A, that it seems like it's connected. It seems like this is the rush version of it. And it seems like the, the version of it you, you you get me it sounds like yeah one no that, that is a in. pretty good way to look at it especially with your phrasing of uh like that's the rushed way to do it it's definitely like not the right way to do it and that's why i get kind of upset like with certain people like i don't want to use specific terms but people that you can tell just the way they talk especially <laughs> to get heated about politics and stuff like mm, yeah this yeah. person they they tripped a little too much and looked a little too into it they that actually brings me back to that other statement of you know the real geniuses are the ones that go crazy and actually came back so that's yeah yeah <laughs> part of it's the going crazy part of it's the staying sane enough to know that you're crazy but know what's <laughs> crazy and what's not in your mind like i yeah. know i'm an absolute lunatic but i usually don't bring up most of the crazier ideas i have because i know them to be almost totally false or only inherently true to myself mm, okay so now i gotta ask lay lay one of those crazy ideas on me especially because i want to see if my mind patterns after it too because i know for a damn fact that i have moments where i'm like maybe i should shut up or or maybe I should just express it. <laughs> well, the simplest one is the one I already explained with uh with music, like how I just don't appreciate like nine out of ten songs that have been released since nineteen eighty nine, they I just don't qualify them as music whatsoever. I understand that's crazy, that's biased, and that's me being an asshole. <laughs> so I don't usually bitch at people too much about it unless I'm like at a party or something and I'm like, Can we please turn off this god awful racket and put something better on? <laughs> You know, I'm pretty sure I have my version of this because I think about the times I might say something and the room then goes to this like, you really could have just shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get you. <laughs> uh, so do you see yourself like now, do you, do you still partake in, I guess seeing or uh, do you still take part in acquiring ego death do you yeah do you do you still I, do that i have tripped since my big phase ended so i've told you a few times i don't think on the stream yet but towards the end of the big like 
drug use phase of my life. Um, I bought an ounce of mushrooms for myself for my 18th birthday, my golden birthday. Over the course of that summer, tripping once or twice a week, I ate the whole ounce. Oh, shit. <laughs> and uh, some of those trips were really, especially the last one out of that bag, like I thought I was about to eat an eighth. Uh, after the trip, I think it was closer to like six or seven grams because it was just powder at the bottom of the bag. I was like eyeballing it, not scaling it. Bad idea bad idea <laughs> um but uh after like having all those especially since i'd already had so many experiences before that um i didn't really need it that much i, I still tripped infrequently and actually i got really into molly for like a year like i would roll maybe like once or twice a month for like a year and then that's also around the same time a little bit after that ounce dried up i I ended up with two grams of DMT that I just casually microdosed for a while. Um, by the time all that was gone, though, uh, I was already an electrician, and I was kind of I was about to be twenty, and uh, I was just trying to be just more responsible in a way. Not necessarily thinking that exact word, but I was already just almost bored of, like I, I'd been so inebriated that like there's no experience even if it's a drug i haven't tried before i doubt there's an experience that yeah can top some of the ones i've had so i, I it was almost boring and so now it's it's like three-ish years after that and uh the only time i've tripped since then was christmas eve 2020 um I went and picked up my buddy from his apartment and halfway we were just planning. I was planning that night to get really fucked up mixing espresso with honey Jack Daniels, which we still oh, did. Um, but <laughs> when, we were, when we were halfway back to my place from his apartment, he remembered, Oh shit, dude, I got like a quarter of mushrooms in the freezer. And so we went back and picked them up and just randomly, just cause he had them that day was the only time I've tripped since then. <laughs> and that night we were also doing espresso mixed with honey jack daniels that was a wild yeah. night <laughs> you gotta you gotta point, we were just sitting on mix. my floor staring at pokemon cards for like two hours <laughs> <laughs> dude i so i i haven't fully decided if i'm going out of um partaking in psilocybin i i know for the longest I think it was you that said it first. If it wasn't you, it was my good friend Dom Shelton. He told me that um, shrooms find you. Like you, you don't actually go find. Like shrooms find you. That was the saying that I kept. I kept hearing. Someone said. I remember in our original Reddit comment conversation from the one post. Uh, that that's something you said that day, and it is kind of true. Like that that ounce I found of mushrooms that summer. Uh, I'd never bought any before i'd never had a chance to try them i'd tried almost every other drug i can possibly name by that point and i'd never been able to find mushrooms and then suddenly just a guy that i worked with at the restaurant was like hey dude i know you like the trip i currently got like 10 zips <laughs> <laughs> so they just ah. they kind of found me yeah I, I guess it's true to some extent at least in my own circumstance well i i don't I'm trying, would you say is there is there anything a person should be concerned with 
when it comes to trying shrooms for the first time? No more than any, like, personally, I think shrooms are my favorite substance I've ever tried other than caffeine. Um, like, but I'm also a little bit of an outlier. Most people I know prefer acid to mushrooms. However, for me, acid feels much more like a drug experience. That's not saying that shrooms feel more natural. Mm-hmm. It just, they feel less like a drug. So in low doses, I think there's almost nothing to worry about as long as you have a rough idea of what you're getting into. Yeah. I, I like the idea that you put on the table about, you know, having your intentions not too hardcore. Oh, when I mean, well, let me get the word correctly. Having your intentions not too sh- strong. Don't have a too strong intention. Kind of just kind of go there for the ride. And, and like, like you said, if you have an idea in your mind, you're going to see that idea. And, I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. I know the other thing I was talking to about, like in the process of growing them and whatnot, the supposedly your biggest concern, especially if you're growing them, is making sure you don't have mold on them. And and because I I can't even imagine. Like I would think that if that's the case, like if you get sick, that's one thing. But like, what if having mold on it? In, enhances the situ like enhances the trip i don't know this is me talking well, about and it, that, but- that's where it gets even weirder because there's over 285 kinds of psilocybe mushrooms and they all have different molds and stuff that like to eat them <laughs> so you got to know what kind you're growing and you need to know what you need to feed it and you need to know what you need to give it to help it stay undiseased Man, that's and a lot of some sh- of them. Some of them, like, uh, I th- I can't remember what kind, but it grows in Europe, and uh, there's like a specific uh, mold that grows on that kind that it'll just instantly kill you if you ingest even one single spore of it. Oh, that's nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I forget what chemicals in it, but it's something that has like an LD fifty of like. A handful of micrograms. Jeez, like, yeah, that's I, I, and that this is one of those situations where, because we, who's who's who who initially had the thought? I think it was Rogan. Rogan had the initial thought, and I said that doesn't sound too bad. But the the concept of like America making these kind of things legal across the board, but then kind of having like maybe spaces or areas where you can go so you have the right people with science behind it so that they can perfect it and give out healthy quantities if so or or just you know just a manufacturing process to make sure everything's good so that way it it won't be it would it won't it wouldn't be such a thing that's like taboo it could be like okay here's a little shop like people are going down to the comic book shop instead they're going down to the I don't know what you would call it at this point. Um, I mean, dispensary some, or something. Yeah, but then, then you know you can check it out the counter, and you can go sit in the back. There's someone that'll watch you, and you know it's like if you went to a regular restaurant. <laughs> yeah, no, I I have uh, somewhat mixed feelings about that in America at least because I've lived here my whole life, 23 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the country overall is pretty good. I think most of our citizens are pretty fucking stupid, though. 
And I just yeah, don't we're, trust we're a lot of right. us with uh, <laughs> serious drugs like that. <laughs> Especially because mostly the dumber of the dumb are the people that tend to seek out intense drug experiences. Yeah, this is true. Would you would you say there's a an, an age? Because this is what I always wonder about because of the the um, like when people is when they're developing their mind. You're, the, supposedly the child's brain doesn't finish developing until 25. And well, it's actually it, it, that that's partially true. But before you continue that, just for the age thing, because I can kind of see where you're going. Yeah. Um, with drugs like psychedelics and actually alcohol too, anything that gets you more than a certain level, of, like also like benzodiazepines, like Xanax, or even drugs like Adderall, um. I believe more so than a safe age minimum, there should be some sort of intelligence slash competency testing to mm. make sure that people won't go out and do something, provided that whatever drug we're talking about is legal. Um, it should be some sort of competency-based allowment, even for alcohol. Like, I don't think somebody that can't score higher than a 95 on an IQ test should be allowed to drink alcohol. Yeah, and this I I'd like to think this. Yeah, I like to think this too. <laughs> I know we we that's not how things go, but yeah, because it's it's something that I I wonder about. Because I know for me, I didn't. I was trying to think what age was I when I actually started started consuming alcohol. Because I all I remember is it had to be two thousand. 12 or something like that because I, I i remember watching it not not 2012 maybe 2014 2016 i the numbers doesn't i don't remember the numbers but i know for a fact i was watching forrest gump it was, it was some stupid like a i think a bad breakup mm. and that's when i decided to say you know what i'm gonna go run to this gas station before it closed i remember running there at like 10 50 they closed at 11 they, they stopped selling at 11 i ran to a gas station to buy a bunch of crap and I I before prior to that I hadn't I hadn't digested any alcohol like I I didn't I didn't drink I, that was something I didn't do um I was I was real I always had the thought of like oh I'm already crazy enough but then eh, that all went down the drain now I'm a I'm a whiskey drinker whiskey's amazing but whiskey's um, my poison of choice too I actually whiskey specifically I almost look at as the anti psychedelic um. And part of that is uh, I'm kind of perma-tripping, and I have been for, like, five years now. Like, if I don't actively focus on whatever I'm, like, doing, everything mm -hmm. just goes back to, like, like coming up on acid-type visuals. Like, not full-on, like, everything's fucking nuts, but, like, no matter what, there's always slight tracers to everything, and... Uh, like for a while, even when I was driving, if I was on like a two-way road like where the lanes are right next to each other with no divide, it almost looked like my car was melting through the car coming the other way. <laughs> oh man! Oh, my God. oh yeah! Shit. Like I can't really explain it better than that. It, it's too hard to put into language. But uh, after I start, especially after I turned twenty-one, I started going out to the bar regularly every Thursday night with. Uh, uh, one of my older friends, he's uh, like four or five or 
eight years older than me mm-hmm. and he he got me real into the to the have a regular night to go out for a drink night type deal and over that period of time partially just because i wasn't still actively using psychedelics as much but whiskey alcohol in general alcohol solidifies your ego where psychedelics dissolve it mm. and whiskey something about it i you know, I don't know if you've ever watched How I Met Your Mother, but there's an episode where uh, there's two of the main characters. They get into a fight, and the, uh, the other main characters are all trying to get them to get back along with each other. And they just try to go through different types of alcohol to try to like facilitate whatever type of conversation will make them be friends again. And... Uh, that that episode is really accurate because it's like beer is what eventually makes them happy and bubbly and get along again. But they tried wine, which just made them sad and bitchy. They tried whiskey, which <laughs> made them angry and start to fight. And that's what I was getting at is whiskey's like when you're actually drunk, drunk, not like a little bit buzzed, but like when you've had like five drinks with no meal and less than three hours of whiskey especially like some some real straight cut stuff not like bourbon that's sugared down or anything yeah you you turn into an angry pissed off donkey and you're literally ready to kick people like there's been times where <clears throat> i me and my brother especially like now that he's 21 uh we'll we'll go out in the barn and we'll drink a whole liter of jack daniels with us and maybe one or two other people and we'll just lay into the punching bag and each other for like hours (laughs) like just last week uh we were we almost had like a wwe style wrestling match on top of the barn because i got all hot and bothered because they're all a little bit more muscular than me i'm actually just like five pounds underweight like i'm not skinny skinny but i'm not beefy muscle they're they're a lot more muscular than me and so i was like and they were talking about having body boxing matches and i was like well i'll probably lose on mass alone body boxing but i know for a fact i can kick all your asses in a wrestling match (laughs) (laughs) and so that's why i say it's almost like the anti-psychedelic it's the the it it re-solidifies the ego in like the exact opposite way as something like acid or mushrooms or dmt dissolves it and i i I can definitely agree with that because there like now i'm at the point where I prefer, I prefer, I definitely can say I prefer edibles or marijuana over alcohol because, like, not to mention alcohol, alcohol at one point kind of hurts, especially if you're just like going, going ham on it. Like, I, I can wake up with, it doesn't matter what amount of edibles and still be super solid, where, and on the contrary, freaking alcohol like it, it hurts man sometimes you you get you get enough and then next thing you know you wake up the next day and hey don't even bring in getting older into the equation but the shit hurts at some point <laughs> yeah no definitely uh especially when i was still in high school and i was running the little operation stealing bottles like i said there's a lot of nights uh actually i can remember the first time i got truly drunk on tequila 
Um, I was like 16 at the time and I didn't black out, but I lost control of my actions at a certain point in the night. And I ended up drinking nearly a gallon of Jose Cuervo silver. Oh, yeah. And I woke yeah. up and I, I, I remember doing everything fucked up. I did that day, like perfect clarity. I could write you a 20 page novel on it. Um, but just the next morning I woke up face down in six inches of water in a drainage ditch underneath the interstate near my house wearing That's nothing not but a, wearing nothing <laughs> but a child-sized superhero cape from the dollar store and i also had a princess wand from the dollar store and what was remaining of the tequila was sitting nearby god god <laughs> so my stories have never well to think how has my stories ever been that uh, insane because there was a time where i was working two jobs and and it wasn't because there was of course there's whiskey but then there's there's the um like I, i'm a big fan of ciders i'm a really big fan of ciders and i've definitely gotten re- into them recently they're chill they're super chill and after you've had about three they start creeping up on you and you start feeling the same effects you would feel if you had well because there's there's different there's different there's different intoxications like i that's like there's different drunks because I, I hate getting drunk off of rum because rum is warm. For me, rum is like hot. And I don't yeah, like no, that. I, I don't do especially spiced rum. I don't do anymore just because uh, too many rum and cokes as a teenager and too many times puking because of the sugar afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So you you get me on that. I prefer whiskey because it seems to be like a chiller. And I'm also learning that I like vodka. Vodka is Vodka's another one that's super chill. And I don't mean like the, not the cheap one. I mean like something that's a little higher in grain. Something that like when you put it in tea, you can't even taste it because it just hides in it. And that's, uh, I, so along for a long time, uh, when I was younger, I just like drinking straight vodka because it just gets you purely drunk, like no specific texture of drunk. And it gets you drunk fast. Yeah. Now, my drink of choice for like if I buy a real cocktail at a bar or something is a Moscow mule, which is like a couple ah. shots of vodka, some lime, some ginger beer. And you've even seen on my Instagram that that one uh, um, around New Year's when I had that uh, my custom mule with all the berries and the, the mango chunks in it and whatnot. <laughs> I need to try that. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Moscow mules. I remember it was Christmas. Um, I forgot what year it was, but me and Tay, we were drinking that, and it, it's it's I don't know, it's something about it. It's like it's kind of almost elegant, like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moscow Mill is definitely um of uh, one of my faves. Uh, this this actually reminds me. Uh, there's a and I, I'm just plugging them here, but like one of my good friends, um, Ian, they run a podcast called Why Whiskey. It's a it's a podcast for history. It's a podcast for um, it's, uh, the tag is a history show with a whiskey problem or a show about whiskey with a history problem. And that sounds like a lot of t-shirts that are made in Milwaukee here by me. We, uh, we have t-shirts that I don't know if they still make them, but there was one company that this was the only print they made. It just had a, like a beer mug that had a baseball floating in it. And it just said Milwaukee, a drinking town with a music problem. <laughs> so. 
I, I think you'd get a kick out of it. I think you'd get a kick out of it. Um, I forgot where the hell was I going. I, I don't remember where I was. Well, no, I, yes, I do. Um, that's what, that's what, so going back to just whiskey, solidifying the ego and then, then just like, for, cause for me right now, like I've, I haven't really experienced any hardcore drugs. Um, like <laughs> outside of like Benadryl, what happens if you stay awake after you've had like uh, more than two Benadryls? Like that shit will fuck you up for real. Especially if you too. mix some booze into the mix. That's how I've been going to bed every night, coming home at like <laughs> six in the morning when the sun's already up, pop a Benadryl because I have allergies anyways, take a shot of whiskey yeah. and then watch PBS <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> I, I do. Like I've, 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 I've had that happen. I remember there was... There was one night because I don't know what it is about that combination, but yeah, that shit will sit you on your ass, and in some form or fashion, it does make you experience again that ego death because it just you it's not there you it's not there like yeah there's a certain point where especially with benadryl like it's like you're almost tunnel vision like you're aware of everything you're doing but you're not really thinking about it as you do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's when I also bring back freaking plant, like marijuana. Like one of the things that I've I've noticed is there's this there's this form of grace that seems to come with that. I I it just you're chill, you're chill, you're there, but then also everything is heightened. Like for me, what happens when I when I partake in marijuana, and I sound I don't know. I don't know. Saying partaking in marijuana just feels like, like, sounds like I'm. It's too educated to say. Uh, I smoke when I when I eat when I eat weed. Well, basically, what happens is, like, and this is even when I even smoke weed, the things around me are easier for me to break apart. It's as if I think that's. Sorry to interject, but uh. I think mm-hmm. that's especially true for people who don't do it frequently or haven't done it a lot. Cause mm. just quick sidebar, like I've been smoking pot for over 10 years now. And I've also taken like a year off here and there. And now these days, like the wax is around. So dabs are so potent. Like one big dab, especially cause I have an electric nail for my bong that has like eight percolators in it. Oh, wow. And so, like, it's perfectly temped out, and I did all kinds of, like, actual, like, water pressure math and air pressure math to figure out the exact optimized rig based on what I could find at the smoke shops and stuff. And so, like, it's down to such a scientific level for me that, like, I literally, like, look at, like, a little dab as I scoop, like, okay, that's roughly this level of high i know i'm gonna get to that exact point blah 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 and like that's just how life is like it's it's literally like being stoned on weed at this point unless i just get stupidly stoned like wake up and first thing i do is smoke like a whole half gram of wax um (laughs) unless i do something like that like i almost don't even feel any different other than just I don't want to say chilled out, but um, a better way would be delayed reaction times. Because the the best way to describe it is like uh, if I take a dab and then I go driving, which 
I, I, I advocate and don't advocate at the same time. It's way more fun than regular driving, but it's also way more dangerous. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. The, the delayed reaction time, especially I used to drive like a low rider caddy. I'd get stoned and go out and I'd just like let the suspension do its thing, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can. I don't, I definitely advocate. So I don't advocate the initial when you first let it come because you got to know yourself that's the important thing you got to know yourself when you're when you're um partaking this kind of stuff because that's one way you can basically allow yourself to keep living that's my that's my main thing you don't want to do something stupid to the point where you don't get to wake up and and recalibrate from the shit but, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, case in point one, don't blow yourself up in a gas explosion because you drank too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's dude. That's still that is something. Oh man, I, <laughs> I, I it's it's funny now. Of course, yeah. Like oh yeah, no, all feel things. free to laugh, dude. It's it's nine <laughs> years ago at this point. I laugh about it frequently. For a long time, a big joke between me and my friends was, "Oh, Shane got baked for real." <laughs> That's that's good shit. <laughs> but the the um like one of the like for me one of the things that I like to do is if I especially if it's like an amount of edibles, I like to take them before bed because then I get to deal with well not even deal but I get to feel all of the greatness of it the next day whilst also being being there like i I get to be fully aware i I can kind of see what you're saying i'm almost the opposite with how i like pot like uh because i notice like especially when i smoke heavily like frequently like 10 plus times a week or more Mm -hmm. um like especially as an electrician i just notice i forget stupid things like i'll be running some cables and i'll be like oh shit which wire closet do i have to bring this to even though I was told like 20 minutes earlier. <laughs> mm. That so I'm glad you said 20 minutes because like that and you said this earlier too. The time dilation is just that is the other thing that I I find so valuable with it. It's just you get to literally extend time with the shit. Like that's the big thing with mushrooms specifically. Acid too a little bit. Um. And we're really psychedelics in general, also weed, but mushrooms, I've noticed more than anything, they make time go however fast you need it to. Not necessarily mm. how fast you want it to, how fast you need it to. Like, uh, during that summer that I had all those, me and my buddy, we went to a Rammstein concert in Chicago. It was their first time touring in the U.S. in like 20 years or something. And... uh I don't speak German. We both like Rammstein just because they're a heavy metal band and because they're kind of fucking weird. (laughs) And so we went to this concert. They were headlining the first night of this three-day festival. And I don't know if you know about them, but their whole vibe is similar to like System of a Down where it's very edgy and they look and act like terrorists a lot to promote an anti-terrorist message and an anti-establishment like, <laughs> message it. at the same time. Like they're neither for nor against government. They hate both. Like they hate terrorists and they hate the government equally. 
<laughs> and so they have like all kinds of like they like the when he when they first walked on stage, their front man Till had like nine sticks of what looked like dynamite with a countdown on his chest, and it was literally <laughs> shooting explosions like thirty feet into the crowd. After he did like a twenty minute tap dancing routine in a petticoat, he opened it up, and there's the dynamite. And fucking <laughs> that show, it was only like two and a half hours long, and. I'd trip plenty before this. I'd trip plenty afterwards. I'd been to hundreds of concerts before that. I'd been to all kinds of like crazy stuff, like monster truck rallies. I've seen like live combat sports, uh, shit like that. Um, I I've like sang in churches for. I used to be a, a acapella choir singer in high school, so mm. I've like done all kinds of crazy experiences. That show on a teener of Pecubensis mushrooms, watching a bunch of grown men in their, like, 50s dressed as leather Power Rangers play <laughs> industrial metal and sing in a language I don't understand, I learned the value of two and a half hours there. Ooh. All right, no, that's a, that's a lot of data to process. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me want to go and do that myself. I because I didn't really start getting into more marijuana use till probably this this year. Yeah, it was this year. Like I've I've had I've had had it multiple times before prior to this, and that's one of those things I've I've like I like you saying, being able to pause and come back to it there's a real value in it because it's like the effect of it is it's strong. Like I, I don't, I, I like, I like being able to like maybe take off a, a week from it. So that way the next week comes back and when it does kick in, Oh, it kicks in and you feel it and you, you can't deny that you feel it. Like it's there regardless. And yeah. And that's a big reason why I, I don't even really feel the need to do most drugs anymore. Like I, I, regularly drink like i have a drink in evening and i have a few extra on a friday or saturday and i yeah. smoke a couple bowls of weed a day but i don't need to do much more than that that's just me like unwinding after the work day you know yeah and it's because like i've had such extreme experiences that even just a little bit can get me enough of i guess interest interest factor or something you you know what i mean yeah i need the i definitely i for me it's it's more like because i relate to it as it's not necessarily anxiety but it does help me shut it does help me shut the fuck up if you know what i mean like <laughs> like for me it it's it's those it's like those things where, where you were talking about earlier with the music like there's there are times where the reactions are it's like they're they're coming to the front of the table more times than I need them to. They're, it's like the flow isn't there. It's like the gracefulness isn't there. But it seems like when that actually is in our system, gracefulness is so easy. It's like everything comes together properly. Or unless it's something that really fucks with you. If it's something that really fucks with you, oh, you're going to address it. But <laughs> I think a big part of that is the way that certain drugs interact with your body. Like 
not using weed as an example. I'm going to use caffeine as an example. Like I'm Which probably talking that you do extremely that. fast right now and probably have been the whole two hours we've been talking. Um, yeah, I chugged like a 300 milligram uh, energy drink with like a shit ton of creatine also in it. And like even that, like I notice like I can feel the actual hypertension in my brain, like actual like vascular hypertension, like the the blood flow is being restricted <laughs> <laughs> and I can feel like I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to just explain. It's It's that like that that same like kind of gracefulness you were talking about like um but in a different way like and i'm also a person you've probably noticed by now that uh i'm very hyper aware of my body like i i treat my my body not like a temple but like a chemistry experiment mm. not necessarily like saying that i put stuff in and i'm experimenting to see the reaction but like I think about everything mathematically, like even like, like, uh, I don't eat very much lately because the last couple of weeks I've been working some shorter shifts. And so I just like lay in bed for a bigger part of my day, especially on the night shift. So I've dropped my calorie intake down to like 1500 calories a day. Cause I really only, I do like a mile of walking a day and that's been mm. it for like the last couple of weeks. And so like, drugs are even more pronounced than that especially like like i was saying this caffeine like i'm talking a mile a minute i can feel physical hypertension like you know yeah and going into the anxiety thing i think pot and psychedelics specifically are really good at treating it especially when used somewhat infrequently yeah um because they're both like uh, like even the states that say like, oh yeah, pot can be a treatment for anxiety. It actually causes anxiety. THC specifically um, hmm. causes anxiety. It it causes hypertension of certain blood vessels in the brain, which that's what caffeine does. And that's why like more THC heavy strains will have you kind of more awake. And uh, um, it, it causes, and I think when it's not in your system, having experienced like oh i just literally chemically made myself anxious for a few hours this regular i'm just feeling it because i'm talking to a person i don't like anxiety means less mm. that's that's interesting that's that's interesting because for, for me it's <clears throat> i actually <sighs> rethinking the thought on it because i tell myself i'm not anxious but i know that one of the, because the reason why I'm I'm able to tell myself I am not anxious is because what when those moments are, when I'm in that state, I always tell myself I'm like I'm noticing that no one actually really knows. They're not doing all this overthinking that's going on in my head. Therefore, I I shut it down and I just be like, okay, nothing to worry about. And that's and I just go, everything's gonna be a okay. Fuck it. I don't have to think about it. And that's why the anxiety doesn't actually like pop up. But I do know that it if you allowed it to, it's very easy to just kind of fall to it. Or I I, I can see that because it's like you it's easy to start thinking like everyone knows, everyone's there watching you. Like they I, I get it. I I guess it doesn't change either. Yeah, that specific thought, like I can relate to that very 
well, uh, I actually have like a diagnosed paranoia condition and, uh, I feel that constantly. Like even when I'm the only one in the room, I feel like I'm being watched a little bit as part of my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And like, I know it's bullshit, but <laughs> it, it, it's there, you it's know, it's still there. Yeah. It's still there. Ah, <sighs> that's, and I would think that it would be, well, because I know that when THC passes through your liver, it becomes a different chemical. But, I mean, it still feels about the fucking same. The only thing different is that it lasts longer, honestly. It's like it's, slow, it's a lot slower down, slow down, much more slow down. Um, but touching on that caffeine, I, um, like, so, because I always, I always know people use, they always say caffeine is a drug. and. I, I've I can actually, tell you a lot about how caffeine's a drug. <laughs> please do, please do, because I, I I drink like I drink coffee. I try to keep it to like two cups, two big, maybe twelve ounce, thirteen ounce cups a day. Um, but every like if there's a day where I haven't slept, if I'm doing like a a one nighter or shoot or two nighter, um, I might drink, I might just drink coffee and water all day, like. If a cup's done, I'm getting another cup so I can keep it in rotation. And I'm drinking maybe like four or five cups of those 13 ounces in a day. So that way. Redosing is going to make a lot of sense in a second. Okay. Um, Okay. So you can think of, I'm just going to use a blanket term of drugs, but it's more than just chemicals you'd imagine as drugs. Some of which are even produced naturally in your brain. Um, Okay. And that's part of this explanation too, is, uh, all chemicals have a molecular shape, you know? Yeah. And you can think of the shape of the molecule almost as like an old timey key that needs to fit in a lock inside your brain. And that's why all psychedelics make you trip because they all fit into that same keyhole. They actually fit into your serotonin receptors mm-hmm. and they block serotonin and replace it with themselves. Same deal with caffeine. It's not the serotonin or actually it might be, I'm not sure which receptors it is for caffeine, but its chemical or its molecular shape is identical to cocaine. It's only a mm. few atoms different, and the 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 very slight atomic difference, not molecular difference, the slight atomic difference is what gives it the very slightly different properties. It affects the brain almost identically, other than how fast it kicks in and how long it lasts and how extreme it is throughout the duration. But it's almost a one to one, like cocaine activates depending on how you ingest it it can activate in five to 30 minutes or if you smoke it it can be instantaneous and it'll last once it kicks in like fully it'll last 15 to 45 minutes depending on the amounts it can last a lot longer same thing with caffeine just it's a much drawn out duration comparatively it fits into the same keyhole in your brain so to speak but it's slightly different. So it takes about 15 minutes to kick in if you directly ingest it into your stomach and it lasts for about six hours. However, it's still active in your body for like a, a whole 12 hours. That's crazy. That then in that case, you start your day off with a really good one. And, um, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, uh, cause every now and then I'll do the dark one. Like it's like, uh, it's a green mountain. Like they have this dark magic one, and 
I know for a fact it is packed. It is, and I always, when I use it, I always go for super strong. So, yeah. Point point being, like, it makes sense, and I think it's crazy because those those things that you're talking about, like, like our chemistry class. I was a clown. I was a clown, and I didn't really pay attention to it as much as I wanted to. Like, I really wanted to pay attention to that class. Actually, it's funny because that's the same class that um, made me start rapping because uh, there's there's a gentleman in there that did it, and I didn't pay attention to the class because we started making music, basically. The damn class that I actually was interested in, we started making music. I got a, a bigger interest in it, and a bigger interest while I was in the class I was interested in. But the breaking down of those chemicals, I remember, oh, what was it called? But just the idea and concept of how similar these chemicals are and then how use the use of alchemy will basically allow you to get from one chemical to the next one or just like you doing certain actions to it to get it to become another chemical. And it makes sense. And it then spawns it spawns a curiosity that makes you go, hmm, what other ways can I obtain the effects of certain uh, well, of certain drugs or other chemicals by using something that might not be looked at as a drug along the board or yeah, no, that's the one, like, I suck at math. Like, I actually failed algebra almost twice. Um, but I have an eidetic memory, though. So, like, the concepts of chemistry are the things that stick with me. Like, I won't be able to preach to you about, like, the molar masses of caffeine and how you could directly do the math equation to calculate the similarity of caffeine to cocaine. But yeah, I can tell you that conceptually they are similar and there is math out there that you could figure it out with. My, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have one last question to ask before we like depart for the, the evening. Um, microdosing, microdosing. Tell me a little, tell me a little bit about microdosing. Um, it depends on, how you mean like uh just in general i think it's probably the best way for the most people to use psychedelics or most drugs in general um even like alcohol you can microdose if you are really smart and you dilute like your solution or whatever Ooh. um but uh psychedelics specifically i think microdosing for the average person is thousands of times safer and neither of them are necessary but if one were to be necessary then microdosing is more necessary than full-on tripping um especially when it comes to really powerful drugs like psilocybin or lsd or dmt um yeah. it's just for people they're not emotionally strong enough to be directly confronted with their own subconscious and maybe even have to have a literal dialogue with it. <laughs> like I've, yeah. I've known people like four hours into their acid trip, even if they've tripped before, just because they're, it was the one time that it wasn't a perfect enough party to keep them out of their own head. Um, yeah. 
they end up just crying for like five hours while it wears off because they had a conversation <laughs> with their subconscious and they did not like what their subconscious told them about themselves. <laughs> so microdosing is definitely safer for most people. <laughs> that's that's exactly what um that's what that's what Gary was talking about because he was saying something along the lines of full on um, psilocybin experiences can last hours i would actually say out of uh out of the the main ones that you hear about uh psilocybin lsd and mescaline which is the active ingredient in peyote cactus um mm-hmm. i'd say out of those three psilocybin lasts the shortest i haven't tried mescaline but from my research that lasts the longest acid you're once it it takes a little bit longer to kick in it takes almost a whole hour to two hours depending on how full your belly is for acid mm. and if you take like an actual trip dose like 50 ug or 100 ug or higher once you feel it you're feeling it for at least eight ten hours i mean oh, it's, shit. it's gonna after after about the four hour point it'll start wearing away mushrooms it kind of wears away without you noticing it with uh, only about three to five hours after the initial dose, not even after you start feeling it. Like you only really feel it for like an hour or two and like acid, for example, like if you're an hour or two after the peak, you're not falling asleep. If you took a regular size dose versus mushrooms, you could take a relatively large dose and you could fall asleep during the peak. That's a, that's a, that's a cool way to look at it. I I still would probably just take a vacation whenever I did any of <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh even like doctors that say that most people should try it. Uh they they say that like even for a microdose, like make sure you have at least two days, one day to do it and one day to recover afterwards. Yeah. I know that we were because we were talking about it yesterday. Um, Green was talking about how if if it's not yeah psilocybin, it can be used to restore neural pathways. Like it, it can be used as medicinal, and that's that's where the 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 real. I don't say real benefit because honestly, it's there's a lot. There's a shit ton of benefits honestly with this exploration i just i know that with that exact quote repairing neural pathways as of yet i have not seen any research on psychedelics actually literally rebuilding a neural pathway is an actual physical connection in your brain between cells Mm mm-hmm Drugs, no matter what drugs they are, unless they're specifically chemically designed in a lab to fix that, which I have to take some of those drugs for my seizures now. Other than those drugs, every single other one of them actively destroys those connections. <laughs> what they mean by rebuilding neural pathways is they mean it in more of an emotional sense. Like mm. um, because of the transcendental state that you're in while you're tripping, um, everything will any meaning in your environment and anything you're thinking about, you're automatically going to apply because it affects your serotonin receptors and your serotonin and dopamine are your chemicals that are pretty much like 
that together also with uh chemicals like norepinephrine and that's produced by your brain um they they're basically a cocktail that uh prevents you from fully believing anything you think until it's proven psychedelics kind of mess with that a little bit not necessarily prevent it but they affect the way that it happens and they're mm. also known to uh tie in like you're more likely to tie in stuff from like your pineal gland where emotions are and stuff uh, yeah. and um like certain glands in your brain that are more emotional chemicals are more active when you're tripping so when you're presented with information memories will be stronger in different ways and that's kind of what they mean by rebuilding pathways because and especially when in creative senses because someone takes some mushrooms or something and tries to paint a picture they're thinking in a totally different way because their brains are being chemically told to think differently and use different glands than they normally would. Like I'm a, as I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I do all my math super calculative or all my art, super mathematically and calculatively. Um, Gripping. That's just literally not possible because those areas of my brain don't work that type of efficiency. It's, it's more the emotional parts of my brain that are taking over. So yeah. I end up just making abstract scribbles pretty much if I try to do art while tripping. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, sir, this is this has been a blast and we got to do this like more. Yeah, you already know this is you're free to hang out anytime and also just I definitely want to do this again with like with green, someone that I know has broader questions to ask that are more in depth questions to ask because they've have experienced and it didn't even have to be a podcast. It could just be even just hanging out. Like, but I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed today and I can't wait to hang out more like there. We were talking about some just creatively the other day. Um, I I don't remember. It's on the damn server. But we were just talking about working on things together, and I'm very yeah, excited. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm no, I, I agree completely. Like, uh, this has been a fun time, and uh, throughout talking to you over the last year, I, I've noticed you're a cool person. Like I was saying, if uh, we never got into the topic of rubber, but uh, at some point maybe we should do a little commentary on that movie because that movie has uh greatly affected my whole blarg philosophy. So I haven't watched it yet, and since, because I know I can just pull it up instantly. Maybe we can set aside some time to to do just that, just to watch the movie. I know next weekend, me and some homies are playing D and D, and I think I got some. I'm other actually stuff going for D and D in a couple minutes here. Hey, that's what's up. So even then, that means we even got to do that together soon. Like this is there's a bunch of shit on the horizon for us. <laughs> absolutely ah uh, well sir enjoy your evening i will I'll, I'll holler at you next time absolutely have a good one yourself all right man later peace and they